Welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that now has to watch Destiny. My name is Jeremy. I'm capable of VTOL. I'm Tyler. If I had to pick a show to be in, it wouldn't be this one. My name is Zach. I could think of much worse shows to be in. So could I. I can think of much worse universes to be in, like one of my, actually two of my favorites. I wouldn't want to live in the Battletech universe either. Or My Little Pony. I'm actually torn. That's that's a difficult one. That's a what very benign I... dystopian model. It is, yes. <laughs> But the thing is, like, you still have all of the D&D monsters running around. Yeah, and I assume that you're a regular non-magical human. You don't get to do, be... There do, are no humans in the My Little Pony. But do you enter it as yyourself, or does that portal thing from the movies kick in and turn you into a pony Yeah, when do you, you become over? Dr. Hooves, or... <laughs> yeah, I, I assume you must become a pony when you go over. <laughs> See, I was just thinking about whether or not I would want to live in Gundam Seed. Because, obviously, that's the only world with Lacus Klein. But also, I definitely stand no chance there, so. I mean, on the other hand, you do have, like, a bunch of cool space travel. Nuclear energy is kind of freely available if you don't live in an N-jammer jammed area. I'm not a coordinator. You're not, that's fair. I probably live on Earth, which means I got colony dropped. Yeah, you got Junius. So, probably not. We watched episode 41, (laughs) Freedom and Justice, this week. Um, Um, I feel like some sort of fanfare or anthem should be playing every time we say freedom and justice. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I am pretty sure, the more I think about it, I'm 99% sure they never say the word infinite justice in this show. No, I think you're right. I I do know it's come up a couple of times in our Discord that Kira's the only one that ever calls it a Gundam, but I know that there's at least one instance where somebody else calls it a Gundam. But when he's taking off, he doesn't say strike freedom taking off, he just says freedom. But he did call it the strike freedom. Yeah, that one time. The part you would think someone would mention infinite justice is when Lacus was handing it off to Athrun. Yeah, or his first launch, which he also just calls it the justice. Also, it is always rendered as infinity symbol justice. <laughs> it is n- never written out. I mean, on the one hand, that's kind of neat. On the other hand, that's also kind of silly. What's the name of the infinity symbol? Because that's not what it's called. It does have a name, and I used to know it, but I do I not currently. also used to know it, mostly because I think it would be much funnier to call it that. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I suppose I can get in here. It was originally going to be called the Night Justice, but they changed it at the last minute, and now that is somebody's gumpla in one of the redive. Night as in not daytime, or night as in Knigget? That's what I was thinking. I'm not sure if that's better or not, because Night Justice actually sounds like it's going like it's part of a word salad or not even like a word salad somebody's working on one of those word games because night isn't really an adjective yeah it's two nouns i mean you're now uh adjectifying a noun so it's joss whedon time a lamniscate lamniscate that's one of the guys with the fancy spears right yeah exactly (laughs) uh so the lamniscate justice takes off this episode We have quite a bit to get through before that. If you want to watch along with us on Crunchyroll or Hulu or YouTube, you can. However, as we said last episode, if you're watching on Crunchyroll, all the episode titles are incorrect from now on. 
they have this one labeled as refrain. Which is the clip episode that got cut from the HD version. Yeah, you didn't miss anything by missing it. Except Good. for Ghost Dad time. Aww. And Atherin being sad and in a bed. Yeah, I read the description, which is the description they have on Crunchyroll about it. And it's like, Atherin reminisces about all the times he screwed up. I'm like, oh, this is the one where the titles change. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I looked at it, I'm like, refrain? That doesn't sound right. Is this where they changed? And then it actually got started. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is definitely where they changed. We're in the middle of a battle, so I suppose we should just roll on into it, especially since we got plans for tonight, kind of. I actually really, really like the opening sequence here. The, I guess, the cold open is not quite right, but the pre-opening uh, bit, I really love the way it mixes stuff we've seen before with new content. Well, most of this stuff that we're looking at right now is stuff that was in the last episode. Yeah, it's partially recap, but also partially not. I really like the mix. We start with some recap of how Orb was getting their butt kicked, until a Kigali showed up, and that's cut with the Archangel getting ready to take off. I guess they got two days of work on the engines done in however long it's been. Well, that's because uh, Maru just yelled at Murdoch enough and like promised to buy him some lattes or something. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with this. Oh, um, no. Because dramatically it works. The Archangel is not able to take off for the first part of the battle, but this is a change in the battle and a good way to start the episode. It's... But the two days number really sticks out to me. When you're like, uh, by that I mean, I don't know, two hours maybe? Three? It's also possible what it is, is they're not fully repaired yet. Yeah, they did the bare minimum to take off. They're installed enough that they, can in, that they can join the fight, and all their guns are still working, so that's not an issue. Then we cut to the bridge where Mayrin is a crutch for Athrin, literally. And apparently someone's given Mayrin a jacket. And they're like, hey, you should not be here. He's like, ah, I'm well enough to sit in the CIC at least. He's not <laughs> wrong. And honestly, given what we know of Athrin's personality, him being stuck in the med bay during a fight would be torture on him. And to be fair, being stuck in the CIC during a fight is also kind of torture on him, which is why he gets a cool robot. But the thing is, like, as opposed to being in the med bay where he's got the question of what's going on, he can actually know what's going on because he can see it. Also, we cut to a convenient cliffside where we find out that the other reason he wanted to get out of the med bay is because his roommate left. I was going to say, speaking <laughs> of stuck in the med bay, we get a close-up of a knife-cutting Neo-Captain Nia Roanoke's bonds. Uh, I totally just had a thought of, like, Maru went and got Moo, and they're like, alright, we're gonna let you go. And Mayron was like, alright, nice, I'm alone time. And Atherin just was like, can you help me to the CIC? Yes? <laughs> I'll lean on you a lot on the way. Deal. <laughs> uh, hey, remember last episode when we were reminded the Skygrasper is still on the Archangel, which I guess makes sense. It wasn't shot down. And there was no reason for them to offload it, I guess. I mean... It's, it's not like useful military getting... equipment, right? Well, especially since they had the Strike Rouge on board, and the Sky Grasper was designed to... Wasn't it designed to deliver packs to the Strike? Yes. I think so, yeah. I, it can also use them. That's what I always think of. I just couldn't remember. So what does it use as a fuel source? Yes. The same thing we do every night, Pinky? Batteries. Gotcha. Well, if it's like Battletech, it uses a fusion engine. I'm now trying to think how a scramjet works, and I don't think this flies high enough. Anyway. I mean, the striker packs have batteries on them, right? So it actually would make sense for this to be powered the same way as the strike is, wouldn't it? Yep, it would. I mean, makes you wonder how heavy is the phase shift armor, because couldn't you put phase shift armor on those? Yeah, why would you not just put phase shift armor on everything if you had the batteries? It must, it, in my opinion, it's just got to weigh a lot. I am assuming it's just very expensive to produce. It might be expensive to thing. produce. It also is probably a bit bigger for use on fighters like this because you have to have all the power supply stuff and whatnot running through the entire system. This is never talked about, but I also assume one advantage of mobile suits is it's very easy to give them bulky armor, whereas it's 
more difficult for a plane, like phase shifting those wings. They're like the wings just exist for lift, right? That, so. That's what I was saying is that it's if it takes up any additional space, it would throw off the fighter all over the place. But man, those outside wing pylons. Damn, that thing looks really awkward. But also super cool. At least it looks like it belongs in space. I mean, I there's a reason I got a model up there. Yeah. See, the model looks fine, and I think it's because it's because it has the pack on it, so which is what the it, it clamps onto those big pauldrons, so it makes it look. Well, like... it doesn't have the. Looking at yours, there's actually like wing pylons that come out on the sides, and while they're folded up, it just looks really weird. There's also the uh, the landing gears are down, which I think also makes them look bulkier than they are. So I knew it was like what. Why are you doing this? And she's like, well, you're fully healed, right? So if you stay here, you'll just get hurt again, I guess. In the med bay? Yeah, he's in the med bay. So I don't think he would really get hurt unless the Archangel itself was shot down. And I think Maru thinks there's a non-zero chance of that happening. That could be. Well, I think it's also just a matter of Maru is like, I don't want you on board because then I'll be worrying about you. She's like, so the Skygrasper is a fighter plane, but you can use it. You're free to go. And, and then she, she starts tearing up. up. And he's like, this is awkward. I don't know how to deal with this. And he goes up and, like, leans over her shoulder in the most moo possible way. I think he's like, I should hug you, but I don't know that we have that relationship. I feel like one time you yelled at me for sexual harassment or something. <laughs> I it's feel like this feeling I get. I feel like this is familiar, but I can't tell you why. I feel like my hands have some sort of power. <laughs> Cut to Kigali telling who she is last time. The world's most garish mobile suit. Uh, you have not seen the Shinanju. Which is just them being like, hey, what if Shar instead of a red mobile suit just had a fucking sports car that he <laughs> zoomed around in and shot people with? <laughs> Sinandru? Yeah, that the that's one full he had? frontals. Oh, okay. It's very red. Like, you, we make the joke about how most of Shar's mobile suits are kind of actually salmon pink, other than, and then the Sazabi is actually red. This is like full chrome red metal. But I mean, it's not gold, so. True. Amor's like, you're not Moo, right? I love how she's now trying to convince herself of that and just runs off. Yeah, especially after she's been spending plenty of time trying to convince herself she is. Like, hey, I see you still know the bridge crew for the Archangel. Yeah, and I think it's mostly that she wants to let him go. And this is the last thing she needs to do for... Man, how awkward would that be if you were one of those guards? I know, I was thinking that too. There are two guards there and it's like, um, our commanding officer is crying... And she just, what like, we... anime schoolgirl ran away from this guy. Well, she is um, Sailor Moon. We'll, we'll see you around there, uh, Captain. Bye. And it can't be as awkward <laughs> as being actual Princess Sailor Moon's guards when she, you know, whenever she finally takes over the world and frees us from this political hellscape. So Maru comes into Atherin trying to convince Mayrin to get off the ship because they're going to be fighting against Zaft once they take off, and he doesn't want to put her through that. I assume also because that would make her, like, more of a traitor as opposed to plausibly... I think it's actually a, in a large part because Atherin didn't want to get her involved in the first place. And if she's on board, she's getting even more involved. Yeah, she's 100% so a traitor if she fights Zaft she now. Wa- he wants to keep her out of that and away from that entirely, so he's trying to get her to leave the ship because then she'll be safe on this island in the middle of fucking nowhere. I also think Atherin knows there's no going back for Mayrin. Even though she does have plausible excuses, That's she saw, you know, how they reacted when he was like, hey, at least let her get out. And Ray's like, no, she has to die. Cut to back to stuff we've already seen with Shin being like, no, I'll go Scorch Orb myself. I do agree with you, Jeremy. I do like how they have interspersed new footage. Yeah, it gives a real good sense of time. Yeah, because like this explains how the Archangel gets where it gets because it's happening at the same time. It, as it the doesn't rest of this Deus stuff. Ex Machina things yeah. too badly until the Deus Ex Machina's things. I also like how it's cutting between now Atherin and trying to get Mayrin to leave the ship and Shin being like, I'm gonna burn it all down. 
And she's like, but I don't want to. I have abandonment issues, I guess. This is my one problem with this opening scene. I've said before how uh, Destiny does a bad job of getting into the new character's head. I'm really not sure what we're supposed to think Mayrin is thinking here when she insists on going with them. Since most of our flashbacks are to Luna or to the Destiny being very intimidating and imposing. And I'm not sure why that makes her want to stick with him no matter what. I don't, I, yeah, if it wasn't for those flashbacks, I would assume it's like, but I did so much, Atherin, you can't kick me out. I think it's because but. at the end of the day, she still loves her sister and she wants to try and talk to Luna. Like, I think she wants to be nearby so that she can try and help talk Luna I can and see that as a motive. Down. That's my guess as to what those are supposed to be. But honestly, we needed a little bit more characterization of Megrin before this for those to really make sense. Oh, you know what? She could totally distract Shin in the fight by just getting on open comms and be like, Shin, sword silhouette, now! <laughs> like, no, <"What>, me! <laughs> I don't have a button for that! No, no, she gets on the horn and contacts the launch system on board the Minerva and is like, you need the sword silhouette! <laughs> and it just like and launches they, into the back launch, of the Destiny's head. They launch it and everybody's like, what the f***? Why are all the impulses parts launching? So Atherin's like, I don't know what to do with crying girl, girl who was recently crying and is Sort of my mom? My friend's mom. Give me advice. And she's like, yeah, I guess keep her. <laughs> Shit, mom, what do I do here? No. <laughs> I think you're responsible like, enough right. for a puppy. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yes, you can keep her. I know she followed you home. But then Atherin gets, like, super serious about it? I don't know. Well, I think, again, it's he's placing Mayrin in the line of fire again. And that was not something he wanted to do to start with. And now it's happening again. Even though, like, she really doesn't have a safe space to go to anyway. He says to stay here in the dock, and this place seems pretty safe, whatever slash wherever it is. It's part of the terminal factory, obviously. Cut to Shin, be like, yeah, I'll go. And, but the Shin! <laughs> and then to the Archangel getting a nice, glorious launch sequence underwater. I really like that view of it from behind. I do agree with Jeremy, though. I would like a little bit more knowledge of how they managed to get two hours wor- or two days worth of work done. Like, if they just said it would have taken hours, it would make more sense. Although they do recycle that shot of the Archangel leaving. It's just when they were backing up, they just reversed the shot. Uh, so alternatively, Murdoch just always really sandbags his estimates so that he can take a bunch of coffee breaks. Well, I mean, it would make sense to sandbag the estimates because, like, you don't know exactly how long it's going to take you. And, hell, it might look like, oh, this is going to take two days. But then when you actually got in there and started digging around at what was what was actually broken... Or it's like, he's like, yeah, it'll take two days. And then whatever. I can never remember her name. Erica Simmons. Erica Simmons is like, oh, yeah. By the way, we've got all these spare engines and parts for the Archangel lying around. Do well, you want to use might, them? Oh, or, oh, Lo Gao, the uh, miracle mechanic from the Astray series, who's always right off screen, is actually here. He actually canonically helped fix the Archangel the last time it was broken in Orb. He can get it done in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You know how you've only seen four techs? We've actually got a battalion worth of techs here. We just can't afford to animate them. Orb doesn't have that kind of budget anymore. I really like this shot of the Archangel lifting off past Moo. Sorry, Captain Roanoke. Although I gotta say, that like 70 degree climb angle is a little severe, don't you think, Maru? It's fine. Uh, (laughs) She's busy being sad that she passes her ex-boyfriend. And Roanoke is like, how do I lift off from here? Now, how do I fly one of these? I've never been trained on a Sky Grasper. Moo flies the Sky Grasper, though, right? Roanoke. He, he does. That's what I meant. Is like, Roanoke, like, I've never trained on one of these. Yeah, well, that comes into, like, what memories were changed? Did, the, did he have to, like, have 
memories of being trained for mobile suit combat planted into him? Or did they just keep those? Man, that'd be really awkward since he got all of his training in Orb. And then, so, like, the music is actually, like, all heroic here and stuff, and then it becomes more ominous as we cut to Shin approaching the Ikatsuki. Doing some sweet spins, I must say. I love, one of the reasons I like the Destiny and its wings, and I love the way it just barrel rolls and takes shots. I actually really like the fact that Kigali goes after Shin. Like, this is, this as far is a hero where it's unit. just some mook. Right? Well, this is a hero unit, clearly. It's we- like the freedom. We get the shot that ended last episode of the Destiny and Akatsuki clashing, which I really think should fade to the theme song. Instead, we get a pretty good determined Maru shot as she says to proceed at full speed. And then this very awkward shot of Mayren being like, okay, most of these controls are the same. I think I get it. Command of shoot, monitor thermo detect. (laughs) Although, I mean, that could be a thermal system. So to be fair, the thermo detect was actually part of the original Archangel systems. I remember that from Seed. I feel like Command of Shoot is something we've seen before as well. <laughs> Honestly, I would not, I'm not actually that surprised Mayron knows what she's doing here because, again, she's an intelligence officer. I would totally believe that she's got training on a whole bunch of different oh, uh, systems. I- I'm fine with that. I just feel it's very odd that we Cut transition from this shot of Mayron being like, okay, I think I understand, straight into the opening. Well, I'm like, she, yeah, just, like, really she looks over at Atherin like she's going to say something and then opening. <laughs> it is awkwardly timed. I-, I think it shouldn't have had that last part there, like you said. Just have it end on Maru saying, you know, Archangel proceed. So while we've got the opening plane, we've talked about this several times. Who is the main character of the show? Because this episode specifically makes me think it's definitely Atherin. Really? Okay. We can get into that. And that is the argument that the director wants to make. My real problem with the main character debate is I feel like none of these three characters actually go through an arc. Like, what is Atherin's arc? He becomes determined and finds what he wants to fight for again. See, the argument that I would say for Shin having an arc, his arc is one where he does, like, the specific point with Shin is that he doesn't complete his arc. Yeah. He starts on that arc, but then after he takes Atherin down, he regresses. And I think that's kind of supposed to be the point. I agree. And negative arcs are a thing. I feel like Shin is the main character because he's the closest to having an arc. My real problem with Shin is yet to come, and it's how his story resolves. It's not an ending. Interesting. So, I don't know, we've talked a lot about how, like, Destiny is not great. It's certainly not bad. Exactly, and that's what I've said a hundred times. The problem is it sets up a bunch of very interesting things that I don't think it succeeds in paying off. Destiny does probably the worst thing anything of fiction can do. It's disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I have not yet been disappointed by it, but I haven't finished it yet. It's not so bad, it's good like some of the other anime I've seen. It's not so wacky, it's just plain weird. It's not like, oh man, this is so good. It's got like, okay, this is looking good, looking good, looking good, looking good. I'm going to tell you this now, Tyler, because it's been my plan for a while, and it will work better if I let you know. With three episodes left to go, I'm going to ask you, what does Destiny need to resolve in the next three episodes (laughs) in order to have a good conclusion? Okay. I expect, unfortunately, the answer will be a lot of stuff they should be spending the next couple of episodes on. Actually, they needed to spend earlier episodes on a lot of stuff to get it to actually resolve properly. Yeah, it's one of the most frustrating things is I've always uh, compared it to a plane that is going to crash. And it's like, you realize you're out of runway way after it's happened. It's just that I feel like the series starts to pick up at a point like, and it really is that confrontation between Atherin and Shin and the Guff and the Destiny that it starts to get, I think, good for a little while. And you kind of forget how much time you wasted in the last 10 episodes before that. So then when you don't have enough time to resolve things, it feels very rushed and panicked at the end. And like they didn't have a plan when they think they did. And you start dropping balls. Yes. 
So we get a glory shot of a bunch of orb carriers shooting down missiles. The Minerva's here, and the commander's like, welcome, Captain Gladys. Uh, and she's like, yeah, we got Jabril yet? And he's like, not yet. They were falling apart, but they've suddenly recovered. Well, because they have a named character who's giving out buffs. I guess they don't plan on going down without a fight. You just take our left flank and support the cleat team, though. I, I like Gladys's reaction when he says they're not going down without a fight. Her reaction is akin to... God damn it, I don't want to kill anybody. Like, it's just, man, I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of this. I think she is pretty grateful for the basically rear line assignment. Yeah, she's just on defense. Yeah, well, she's not actually having to go out and fight anybody, because it's just like, this is a dumb conflict they're currently engaged in. I mean, it is and it isn't. The goal of Get Your Brill is, I think, worthwhile, but they are going about it more aggressively than they need to be. Kagala's like, if I let this guy through, he will single-handedly destroy Orb because he is a main character. That is a really badly animated shot of the Destiny, I'm not gonna lie. Oh, there are plenty of bad shots of the Destiny. Yeah, well, it's, like, right here in the beginning, there are a bunch of really badly animated (laughs) shots of the Destiny. This one in particular makes it look like some sort of weird centipede. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, like, its head, it doesn't look like a Gundam head. Its head, it's It's way too narrow. Like, it looks like it went on a crash diet. (laughs) It's as thin as Kigali. It needs some hamburgers. It's some beef in that Gundam shin. It's got an hourglass figure in the worst possible way. Its legs are way too thin. Man, you know what? That might actually be one of the reasons why I detest the Destiny so much, like you said, is because it just looks like ass through most of the animations in this. And you can really tell the difference. We then cut to a stock footage shot of it shooting its beam rifle. That looks way way better. better. It's still not great. But Shigali's like, ah, oh wait, I don't have to dodge. She's like, oh no, and then she's like, oh wait, I can just take this to the chest. Because like right here, what the hell is wrong with his arm? Yeah, like it's just the way it vanishes into the blue bit there. It just, it's really poorly animated. It's like the opening episodes of Dragon Ball Super when they're animating just the keyframes. They spend all their money on the Akatsuki's beautiful face. Yeah, like in contrast, every shot of the Akatsuki looks beautiful. I wonder if the Akatsuki looked this way in the original because i don't think it was this kind of like the shimmery shimmer i think this might be touched up for the hd but i haven't seen the original in such a long time i'm not entirely sure i I love the effect wherever it came from i think it wasn't the original because i remember it being very gold but i could be wrong so shin's like oh my rifles aren't working well on the destroy gundams i just went to melee weapons so time to bring out the sword which for some reason even though it has a beam that works again. Yeah, so in my notes, I'm like, okay, so is this going to do anything, or are you just, like, beating it with a club, basically? And as we'll find out, it turns out, yes, it does something. The melee beams are more intense, and, like, they can't be deflected because you just push them through? I don't know. I mean, I could see an argument for that because they are, like, being powered constantly, so they don't, like, attenuate, but... Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, but it depends on how the armor on the Akatsuki works. Yeah, we're getting into the physics of Gundam, which is a thing that they kind of hand wave, so... Especially I can since, hear the cat girls screaming out in pain. Especially <laughs> since this seems very RPG-balanced design, right? And not, how does this technology work design? Honestly, yeah. it would make a little bit more sense if Shin managed to take the Akatsuki with the edge on the front of it, the, the point. Yeah, the, because, the spiky bit on the front of him. Yeah. So a bunch of Marasamis are like, no, get down, Miss President! But Shin dodges them, cuts them in half. I find it pretty interesting that we get some shots of pilots dying here as Shin kills them, which I note mostly because last episode, Kigali was definitely killing some Zaf soldiers, and we did not get pilots for them. I think it's also mostly because we've had screen time with these people, even if they're only in the background of the... I don't think these guys have had screen time. I think these guys are are new. They're not part of... 
They're but, not part of the uh, fleet that was on the Archangel. Right. I'm, they may supposed to be, but none of them are those like crazy hair color guys. We no, saw. they're not the like, important ones, but I think there were some of the background characters. I, I just don't think we've seen any of them. I will say I love Shin's like dodge up and then come back down chop that he did on the first one. Yeah, it was it, really cool. It's a good shot. The Akatsuki has that cool double beam saber that the Freedom and Justice have, so Kagali pulls it out. It's like, if you want a melee fight, let's melee fight. And Jin's like, ah, so you are the commander here. Too bad you suck. <laughs> and Kagali's like, Shin. you're not wrong. <laughs> In a smart battle, the commander is generally not on the front line. They don't have to be the most skilled warrior. They're a commander. Their job is to tell other people what to do. I think he is assuming wing commander, right? I don't think he's like, ah, oh, you must be their commander in chief. I think he's like, you're in charge of this wing of That's entirely units. possible. So you should be the most skilled. So cut to the Archangel, where they have a visual of the island, which is no good. It's all blown up and smoky. They're just, they are uh, like, oh, we've got all these kind of ships. Well, so and they, they, oh, God, the Minerva. They check them by thermal signature, which is what the thermodetect TM is for. <laughs> it, it's a, I think, pretty good building up of Chenjin of, yeah, some blah, blah, blah class, some blah class, some blah, blah class. Oh, and the Minerva. And there's a reaction from everybody, including Mehran and Atherin. And apparently they didn't know it was there. Well, it oh, also <laughs> just got here. I love the reaction when the Archangel shows up on the Minerva. Just how is it still there? Gladys definitely has the look of, yeah, I kind of figured, figured you weren't. Arthur seems legitimately surprised. I, that wasn't Arthur. We do see a shot of Arthur at first. For some reason, the lights are off on the Minerva's bridge, so it's harder to tell. It's because they're not... A, they're they're in, all uh... hungover after having to drink <laughs> to get here. And so we basically get a heads up. The Katsuki is in battle with somebody else and won't be able to... Number one, it's in battle with somebody. That's going to be a problem. Because we all know Kigali ain't the best pilot. They bring it up screen and uh, Athens like, the destiny, it's Shin. He sounds very shocked in the Japanese dub. The English dub, it sounds very matter of fact, which is strange. I wish they didn't show the Akatsuki's shield getting cut in half because, like, that's just silly. She then loses the arm when he gets a real place beam boomerang shot, which I like. And then he throws the second beam boomerang. They're on a collision course. They're about to hit Kigali. Athens panics and, wait... Do you hear that music? Who is? It's John Cena! <laughs> <laughs> An unknown object is approaching from space. It's too fast to be a mobile suit. Wait, what's fast? Uh, this might just give you shit. I do really like this sequence, but it is the most John Cena, Hulk Hogan, you know, over wrestling hero. Kiro Yamato, a guy whose nickname in the fandom is Jesus, has ever been. <laughs> So Jesus, also, really what quick. What the hell is with the freedom's head? Yeah, I would no. say we've been talking about weird frames in this, and that's, uh, did not have their A-team on that I didn't one. see that the first time. Jesus Christ, the I, head. I do love that it's holding hands with, I assume... The, the Justice. Yeah. yeah, that, uh, Lacus, I assume, is piloting. Yeah. She's just piloting. She's sitting in it. it. It's very cute, and Kira has had hands with the Justice before. He's like, we can do this cute thing, watch. I guess spoilers, but, uh... Kira and Lacus are much, much happier the rest of the series, so I kind of assume they spent all last episode just, you know, hanging out. <laughs> they don't seem nearly as tense. They seem much happier for the rest of the series. That's all I'm saying. Well, also, like, they have been separated for a good chunk of the series, especially when the shit hit the fan, like, they were separated from each other. It did not have to be a conjugal reunion. <laughs> so just being together would probably help them out, especially now that Kira's gotten himself out of his own goddamn head after the first war. So they come down from space, holding hands, Kira walks onto the boomerangs and shoots them with the railguns to destroy them, which is a very cool shot. I feel like this one has been touched up a bit, or the HD, because I always thought he shot Kigali and, like, hit her out of the way somehow. That's what I thought in this scene, even. I, I don't get that. Although the explosion is a little bit excessive for those two boomerangs. 
And he draws beam sabers to go after the destiny. He can draw two at once now. And um, there's kind of a panicked reaction of Gladys and uh, actually everybody has the same kind of reaction of the where freedom's did that come back. From? Shin gets it most of all where he's like, no, I definitely stabbed and destroyed that. It can't be. I was there. He definitely has an expression on his face of, oh, God, a ghost has just shown up on the battlefield. Yeah, which we know he's been freaking out about that kill, even if much less than, like, his kill of Atherin. And Ray is like, mm, I am not amused. But then uh, <laughs> fear turns to anger for uh, Shin. And Ko's like, oh, my God, that's my brother. And he's like, hey, Maru, please take my girlfriend. She's in that Gundam. She's not exactly experienced when it comes to I that. I love that she has a pure pink flight suit. Oh, it's amazing. I love that. Well, I mean, it's the same kind of pure pink flight suit Kigali has. Kigali's is a little more red. And here's like all 1v9 here, bro. Uh, oh, man. Kigali gets the defense his... headquarters. And maybe the worst bit of subtitles in this, Kira tells Kigali to go to defense headquarters. And she, she says, gotcha. Or if the <laughs> subtitles, Gala 73. Gala <laughs> slash 73. I didn't see that. That's a response. There are so many typos in the subtitles in this episode. And again, they didn't used to be here. I watched Destiny through before we did this podcast to have, you know, foreknowledge and stuff. This is a recent change to the subtitles, and I don't understand why. Did they accidentally start pulling from a fan sub? Yeah, say, having worked in a very similar industry for a while, this sort of thing happens because they don't have unique identifiers for shows that are consistent between providers. So probably what happens is they got a new source, and their algorithm preferred the new source because it's new, and they just... No one has bothered to correct them. I bet if we submitted a bug report to Crunchyroll, they Honestly, would probably they fix it. Yeah, they may not have noticed, because Destiny isn't exactly... It's kind of old. Most, it's old, and it wasn't exactly the most popular series to begin with. So Kira and Shin start clashing blades and some much better drawn shots of the Destiny that we only see for about half a second. And uh, then Lacus goes and lands aboard the Archangel. Or Athern's like, I need my crutch. I- I'm going to the hangar, I guess. I, I do love how quick Mayrin is to get up and I know. Him. Even though I'm giving her shit. He's going to need to take off that headset before he leaves. Although I could definitely see Atherin accidentally forgetting <laughs> to take the headset off and getting yanked back on his backside. Is it wired? It, it has, should it, be. It definitely shows a wire. Okay. So Gladys is like, well, they're main characters. Only main characters can deal with that. So we're going to the front, okay? Commander boss, man. And he's like, we gave you a nice cushy position. Uh, so that's a little weird, but okay. Gladys is like, all right, we're going after him. And they fly up. I do oh. love seeing the Archangel and the Minerva contrasted this way, just in terms of their shape. I should say I was distracted by the John Cena joke. This was all done originally to Vestige, uh, and has been exchanged for Meteor in the HD edition, which I think works better here than it did in the previous bit. It's very odd in the English dub where it's a lyricless version of Vestige, and you can tell there are pauses for lyrics <laughs> at points in the dialogue. Anyway, Mer's like, the Minerva's coming, we gotta get ready. And then we get a loading of missiles, aiming of Tristans and Godfreeds. I actually uh, really like it because we're seeing both ships go all out to prepare for battle. Uh, yeah, this is really good. I was going to ask if this scene was as good for you guys as it was. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty damn good. The only thing that we don't and see this get loaded, specifically. the Valiants. Oh, oh god damn. I, I mean, the only thing we don't, don't see... We don't see them load the Lohengrin or the Tonhauser. No, that's true. neither use it at this point. I do really love the split screen of Gladys and Maru getting determined. And then we have a split screen of Arthur and Amagi as they yell fire. And there's just oh. a whole bunch of missiles and bullets firing out. I, I think that's why I love the Minerva. I love those shell firing cannons that it has. The uh, anti-air ones? No, just the standard. Oh, the big Tristans? main. Gotcha. It's main battery. I love those cannons. The assault is actually what that's called. The Tristan Nurse Beam. I love this shot of like 
they fire the Valiant and it creates a smoke cloud and then the beams just disperse it. But because of that, they miss. And then they both take some shots. They both have they a go blade for of armor, broadside. though. Combat. Yep. We then cut to the Strike Freedom, which we see has the ability to stick its beam sabers together. It's beam rifles, you mean? Yes, it's beam rifles together, like the Buster. The Destiny pulls its big gun, but the Frag Freedom has a belly laser. That's the same gun, so it can negate it. Cut to Ray, who is still not amused. And then we get the eye catch. Thank you for joining us for episode 41. Between all the great moments coming up and also all the excellent sound clips that Jeremy has dropped into this episode, I don't know that I can do anything to top that. So, I got thinking, instead about Andrew Walfeld's coffee obsession vis-a-vis my own coffee obsession. Today, I have an excellent Arabica blend made by my French press, which I have nicknamed DeCosta Jr. Ah, delicious. In case you're listening to this in real time, which I suspect most people who are listening to this right now are, this is the last episode of Gundam we have recorded for a while. As I've mentioned in previous mid-spots, we've had a bit of a pandemic crisis that has prevented us from getting together to record for a bit. So we will instead attempt to be doing some streams, which we'll announce on our Discord on our usual recording night, which is Thursday. So if anyone has any requests for what they'd like to see us play, let us know. Uh, I think otherwise, Zach is nominating Payday 2 until the end of time. And by that, I mean like the next week or two. As usual, thanks to our patrons over on Patreon, and also everyone else who just stops over on our Discord and makes our community what it is right now. Now, let's get back to the episode so that we can see Kigali punch Yuna. So, Ray caught your eye, and then you get the eye catch. Yeah. <laughs> this episode has had a lot of really weird cuts in it. I kind of wonder if there's other things that were supposed to happen in some of these scenes. And as we jump out of that, we see a Murasame getting fucked up by machine gun fire. Yeah, that we just, like, I like how when we're back from commercial, it settles you in with just some generic battle stuff to show other stuff going on. Like, the battle is so happening. I like this goof just cutting a Murasame. That was in a stray. That was in a stray strike. I was about to correct myself, yeah. And then we get Kigali flying in the Akatsuki towards the defense headquarters. She just shot that goof down. The most casual mobile suit kill Kigali ever gets. (laughs) Yeah, because she does it with one arm and everything. Yeah, see, those are the guys from the Takami Kazuchi that were on board the Arcane. I assume there were multiple of them. She didn't just take four dudes, did she? Well, we only ever really see, like, five of them. But there are, like, 30. There's between 5 and 30. I think there are more. I think you're right. We then get a Zaf descent pod, and hey, it's got some of those sexy doms in those. Disclaimer, I do not think those doms are that sexy. I also (laughs) like this shot of a Zaku, like, taking cover behind something. I always like it when they use the mobile suits to do things that you would actually do, like take cover behind some bubble. And I like that both sides are like, what are these? Who, um, who is this and what are they doing here? I love also this mono-eye action as they boot up. Uh, so one of them gets the classic villain line of Earth gravity is so unpleasant, which is classic Gundam villain shit. I want you to guess the guy who doesn't like Earth's gravity's name, because it's amazing. Um, I'm gonna say Graham Longfield. Herbert von Reinhardt. I was surprisingly <laughs> close. Okay. I was I was in character. So. And these are redos of the Black Tri-Stars from the original series, aren't they? More or less. They're not they don't have the same names. We will get into that in a bit. There are they are three Dom pilots. Uh as well as like uh cut the small type guys, let's get going. And then she's like, 
for Miss Lackis to tell us, the audience, that they are good guys. Well, especially because the Doms are in that, like, general dark villain color, and then when they show their pilot suits, like, from their helmets, they're black, so they look like they might be for They Logos definitely look they, like they should be villains, They right? look like they might belong to the same organization that Neo's from. And also, they are Xeon mobile suits that have been remade, which this series that has been Zaf's thing. But no, it turns out that they're just mercenaries. And we have talked about, they are very brief shots, so I did not see them my first time watching Destiny, but we have seen these mobile suits before in the factory, hanging out with Lacus. These are half beam cannon, half bazooka, yeah. right? They are shell-firing bazookas that have a beam gun on them. Instead That's... of a bayonet, because why would you need a bayonet on a bazooka? Uh, is it, uh, what is it? That you can actually put a bayonet on a bazooka. I can't remember what game it is, but there is totally a game in which you can equip your bazooka with a bayonet. I mean, that sounds hilarious. And Muriel's like, hey, what's that? It seems like there are just three random mobile shoots that showed up. I don't know. They're shooting down a bunch of Zap guys, but I don't know if we can trust them or not. They're wrecking face. And Lacus comes on in her pink flight. So he's like, hey, Muriel. Hey, Kigali. Those are my BFFs. Please don't shoot them. Those guys are on our side. I, okay, this shot. Oh, someone zap! Like somebody cared here. Yeah, this shot is amazing. It's really well done. Yeah, someone deserves a goddamn raise. There's, or they were trying to get put on a better project. There's a wrecked. <laughs> I think it's an astray in the front. I think yeah. so. Yeah, a goof. I think it has a Zaku gunner. And then I want to say it's one of those special water mobile suits from earlier behind them. The ash. That's yeah. what it is. But they're all just like sitting there laying oh, down fire. So cool looking. So like, hey, we'll start with those. Let's get ready. And speaking of the black tristars, they do the thing. You know the thing, right? You want them to do the thing, and they then do they a do jet it. stream attack. <laughs> did they borrow that from Double Lot? Because I feel like they borrowed that from Double Lot. <laughs> a Double Lot didn't exist yet. But uh, <laughs> unlike the regular, the the class, unlike your daddy's doms, I <laughs> <laughs> uh, might want to rephrase nope. that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I know what I said. <laughs> These doms have like a magical energy particle field that disintegrates things they get close to. But they still do the classic jet stream attack thing where they hide the one behind them to blind fire on somebody while doing that. And they take on, sure. I think, the Zaku Gunner with that one. I mean, it's a dumb name, but it actually makes a lot of sense to operate like that because well, you hide both. You get the two guys with the big guns behind the shield. It's the standard phalanx. Yeah. Well, and especially with as fast as they can move, it's actually really, like, it's surprisingly effective at sweeping a battlefield. Yeah, and its only weakness is if Amuro in the Gundam, Super Mario jumps off the first one to shoot the two in the rear. <laughs> it's just got a really dumb name. And then they just, like, go through it. I like the one of them that just jumps and shoots on its way by. He's like, I'm Super Mario this time. <laughs> my, my question for those is, where did these guys get the skills for this? They're from the First War. They are veterans. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. It's just because they kind of pop in and are... Presumably, they're in supplementary materials. They are not even. They're not... They have backstories, but their backstory is exactly what you would expect by just seeing them, which is they are Zaf veterans from the First War that were loyal to Siegel Klein and decided to join the Klein faction. That makes sense, yeah. So Lacus is like, hey, good job, guys, as Atherin gets touted in. And I love that Marin's like, Lacus? Yeah, well, it makes sense. She's like, oh shit, competition. (laughs) Well, I think it's more a matter of, I thought he said she didn't come with him. Yeah. Like, how was she here? Because she doesn't know about the two Lacus things. Yeah, because Atherin has not told her and nobody else has filled her in. Atherin's like, well, you were the last person I expected to be in a Gundam. You okay? And she's like, yeah, I was just sitting in it. The horror was piloting it. How about you, Atherin? Are you all right? And he's like, yeah, I'm I, fine. I'm perfectly like, fine. Well, you're fucking lying. But also, I didn't mean physically. I meant emotionally. 
I love how like he immediately is like, wait, shit, are you psychoanalyzing me again? Oh, God damn it, she's pulling a lacus on me. Well, because then he starts thinking about Mir. Yeah. Like, well, in, in the the difference in, like, their characters, basically. Well, I think this is after they wanted to save Mir, right? I think he yeah. is genuinely scared for her safety. I, I think um, it's kind of a combination because getting confronted with Lacus and Lacus being all there. But you're right, it, it definitely is more along the lines of he really wanted to save Mir because it ends on her refusing to come with him and he has kind of that disgusted look away. And Lacus was like, oh, I was hoping the answer to that one would be yes, too. <laughs> no, I think Lacus totally knew yeah, that she, she was like, did. no. Meanwhile, the uh, Minerva and the Archangel do another broadside on each other. I, I love how like Gladys is just glaring at the Archangel like, I knew you weren't trying when we were chasing you. And Maru's like, evade! Like, that's helpful. Shin starts taking some angry swings at the freedom, being like, why in the world are you here? Whereas Kira goes into seed mode and does maybe my favorite gimmick shot in all of Gundam. Every time I watch this, I find a new reason to love it. I feel <laughs> like they screwed up the animation on that, though. I, I think this is just an angle thing. Because well, from what you know, what, you, what you've always said is that when they use the seed mode intentionally bounces it's the other way oh it, okay. it bounces when it's on uh, okay never mind then i i must have got myself mixed up which is easy to do uh, th- it is a little cut off so you don't really see it properly but kira literally throws his guns in the air i love that shin comes down with the big sword and he samurai grabs the non-beam part of it it's such a stupid shot it's but i so also kind of love it <laughs> yeah i mean it, it's, it's just demonstrating how far ahead kira is and like where he is at this point so i like that this is causing the beam saber to flicker i think that's just like effect like i think it always kind of does that. okay well i think he's also it, it looks like the Freedom's shields are also engaged. They are. So it might be being interfered with by those. I made the John Cena joke earlier, one, because it's great, but also because this feels very, very modern wrestling to me. Like, Kira has to get his win back, is what this entire fight feels like to me, because Shin beat Kira before, and Zach talked about how that's not an impressive victory, and in hindsight, I agree with him, but the first time I watched him, I'm like, oh, Shin is actually pretty good. He's on Kira's level, and I wish that was more the way that first fight went to make this more interesting because this really feels to me like they're just like no Shin gotta win so we have to give one to kira we have to prove that he's the billy badass and that shin is still this new rookie guy well it's unfortunately a situation where the only person who's been portrayed as being kira's equal is shin at this point because atherin's out of the atherin used to be but Um, well atherin's also on his side so the only person that could be on kira's level here is shin like i think in the idea of there like well, we have to portray Kira as a badass. Like, no, you did that in the episode where you literally gave him this, where he killed a fleet. And the only thing is that Kira has a huge psychological advantage here, right? Clearly. Yeah, he's not fighting a ghost. Yeah, but it's still not great. That's it. I absolutely love the bit where the, the rail, rail guns, guns just come up and point blank shoot him and the Kira grabs the beam saber yeah. from him. He's like, nope, not anymore. I'm keeping Fine. this. I really like that <laughs> And then shot we get a reaction shot from Ray being like, the hell? It's, it's a perfect look because the rail guns are like the way they're positioned that's just so you always wonder why don't somebody just do that when they get close like and then he does and then he does i love this as a power move on kira's oh, yeah. part well, and i love that shin reaction. knows where yep. he's like oh i have phase shift armor so that didn't do anything so you're saying if you just used your goddamn beams i'd be dead well, he, <laughs> first he grabs the beam rifle and has that cut in shot of i love the fact that he acknowledges if that had been a beam i'd be dead and as the freedom catches the two beam rifles it threw up earlier. Yep. And I also, like, in the dub, I think I prefer the way it's portrayed in the subs, but in the dub, Shin's like, what, is this a lesson? 
but because Kira's taken in the school. Kira's definitely, definitely educating him on how to do this. So he goes into an angry seed mode, although that is just a uh, burst. You're right. Which it, and it should be the bounce. Unless it's trying to say Shin has figured out how to do it intentionally. I, I suppose that could be true. But I don't think so based on his reaction But there. then he lunges for Kira, and Kira's like, ah, oh, damn, I was really hoping that would, like, intimidate him I was really fight. hoping he'd just go home after that. Back to Arthur, commanding missiles launch. Well, and uh, we see Arthur actually being competent. Yeah. And Gladys is like, evade at will, target their engines. And Ray's like, hey, we need to bring Shin back in. And Gladys is like, little busy, Ray. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm busy focusing on fighting this ship. I can't really worry about this. It's interesting because his dialogue is over Kira retreating and like a clear backwards momentum from him, although he is not getting hit. So well, I think it's like it's showing Kira on the retreat. But at the same time, Kira retreats when he needs to because he also goes by the idea of, you know, who needs armor when I can dodge you? Yeah. And Gladys is like, you or Luna will have to go replace him. And he's like, yeah, of course, but we need to bring Shin back first. His machine needs a resupply and maintenance. And Kira has taken almost all of his weapons away at this point. Uh, no, it's only ta- he's only gotten the boomerang. It's gotten his melee weapons because he yeah. got the Alondite and the boomerang. Yeah. So he's still got the main cannon and his beam rifle. Yeah, but he, can't, he clearly can't do anything with them. And the Freedom has all of its options. One of the problems they have with that is they don't actually know what options the Freedom has. Yeah. That- yep, this is her first time seeing this iteration of it. So he's like, if we're going to have any chance to win the battle, we have to destroy that machine. And she's like, yeah, fine, I'll leave it Whatever. to you. I love her expression is just, fuck off, I'm busy. Yeah, I was going to ask what that expression is, because she looked like sly almost there. Yeah, I think, like, just exhausted. With That's this fair. teenage bullshit that her ex-boyfriend has thrown into her lap. And annoyed. She's like, if Atherin were here, I would not have to hear about this. It would be dealt with. <laughs> it would just have happened already. So she's like, here's Abby. Yeah, it's like, Abby, uh, so what's up with the catching the Rundle thing? And like, well, we haven't secured him yet. Jibril. And we see Anato in the cabinet building, crushed to death by a goon who walks in. Bye, Gamer Dad. That's a wrap. <laughs> oh, and then we see a bunch of civilians get killed by a different thing going through. And Jabril running with some soldiers. I'm really surprised these soldiers haven't just been like, you know what? We're gonna, we're just gonna hand this guy over. <laughs> Corruption exists get- everywhere. I assume he paid them off. Or they were loyal to him from the start. Especially given the scene we see later, I think they are completely loyal to him. Okay. They have orb uniforms, but I don't think they're even necessarily orb soldiers. Or if they are, they are so up up the conspiracy that they Well, and based on the shot from later, it's entirely possible they're stolen orb uniforms. So we cut the orb defense headquarters, and I love this astray with its shield in the line next to the gun turret. It's a shot we've seen a few times, but it's really good. A goon comes drilling up, but Kigali lands and takes it out. Without After cutting killed... it through it, she just kind of like whacks, she bonks it with the beam No, saber? she stabs through it. Oh, is that what happened? It. Okay. Yeah. That it, makes... It's double-sided, so. That makes more sense. She gets down on the lift wire and just <laughs> leaves the mobile suit out front. I feel like, number one, don't leave it out front like that. Number two, wear your goddamn helmet. You're still in a war zone. How are people going to know that she's a main character if she's wearing a helmet? Though? And she put it in <laughs> front of the door, so now if they start to try to shoot the door with lasers, they'll bounce back at them. <laughs> or, depending on the angle, they'll bounce back into the astrays that are guarding it. Cut to the Archangel's hangar, where Atherin is staring at the new Justice. I like how Mayron's expression there, like she's staring at it too, is actually concerned. Yep, because I think she knows what Atherin is going to do. Shin just gets frustrated because he knows he's the better player, and this asshole just got fed a bunch of kills by all of his incompetent teammates, <laughs> and he needs to carry. 
Honestly, I feel the reason why Kira is just giving him the runaround through this is because he knows the fight's even without the Destiny on the field. So he's just going to let the Destiny chase him around for a while. As Rez like, hey, Shin Return. He's like, hey, but I still... And I'm really surprised this shot is still in the HD version. Because they changed... nuclear. Yeah. In the original version, he was running out of power. Yeah. Which that is something the Destiny can't do. That's, I, yeah. I, I saw this and was like, wait a minute. Did I just get the Destiny wrong? No. Is it not nuclear? But no, it's totally nuclear. Why is it running out of power? And, and they changed the line so that they don't say anything about it running out of power here. So I think they're supposed to retcon that it's not. So I'm really surprised they still have the shot here. Honestly, it would make a little bit more sense if it didn't have power like a power indicator like there ammo. or like that. But if it had some kind of indicator for his guns being low on, like their power packs or whatever. But even that doesn't make a lot of sense because from what we've seen before, the guns are actually powered directly by the mobile suits. Yeah. I wonder if this is just one of those situations where one rider wasn't necessarily talking to another or I somebody got mixed so. up and thought they were still using the impulse. They, Like I said, they changed the line here to make it about resupplying his weapons and a bunch of them have been destroyed, so that makes sense. I'm just surprised they didn't cut the shot out. Yeah, it's, When they it, changed the dialogue anyway. It's weird, and honestly, it's really poorly done. Somebody should have caught that in editing. Yeah. Even in the original, someone should have caught that in editing. And so, Ray's like, that's an order. And Shin should be like, you can't give me orders and hang up. But he respects Ray, his friend, who would never stay a Well, and, and heads back to the Minerva. And I think there's also a little bit of that ingrained side of things, because Ray is... Still technically in charge of the mobile suit team on board the Minerva. Yep. Even though at this point it basically means he only has authority over Lunamaria. Shin's an honorary member of Faith. And I don't think he's realized that he could really just do whatever the hell. Well, it's kind of the same thing as Atherin. And he might be basing it a little bit off of that. Because Atherin never really exercised his powers. And he, he also thinks about that when faith. he gets the uh, medal in the first place. When Durandal hands it to him. Mm -hmm. So Kigali runs in and is like, Hey Yuna, I heard someone punched you and it really should have been me. Because I'm the one you did all the bad things to. So let me do that real quick. <laughs> he, he starts whining at Kigali. And I really, it, again, if... Yuna had been done better from the start, this would have been a lot... It wouldn't have been quite as satisfying, but for a character arc, it would have been better. Especially since he's like, I took care of things while you were gone. And again, we're in election times right now. And it's always tempting to write incompetent politicians because everybody kind of villainizes the other side, whoever that is, and thinks they're incompetent people deliberately trying to ruin the nation, which is, of course, not true. But that's the way Yuna's written. Although... Even Kigali is like, I really thought you had our nation's best interests at heart. What are you doing here? I do really want her to have just gone inside just to punch him and then leave. <laughs> that would have been pretty great, but no. So we get back to the Archangel's hangar and Lacus apparently having either come down in this outfit, stored this outfit on board the Archangel to begin with, or um, magicked it into existence. She's a magical girl. She can totally do stuff like that. Um, I assume she just has a dedicated room in the Archangel that just has her entire wardrobe in it. I mean, I would totally believe that. And she is an ex-pop idol. You know she's mastered that quick change. You know there have been concerts where she went through 20 different outfits. <laughs> we actually talked about this off mic a little bit about, about her outfit, and I could totally actually see that fitting underneath the flight suit. She's also redone her hair, so that's a choice. Although last time we cut to just Mayrin and Atherin looking at the Justice. So she's like, I gotta freshen up, be right back. <laughs> I do feel like that wouldn't take that much effort. Nah. I guess she just put it up in a ponytail. You're yeah, right. she just tied it up. Anyway, she walks up to them and she's like, hey, that's... Actually, I think Atherin yeah. is yeah, the I one think that that's says Atherin, that's the yeah. justice. Because like, she replies with yes. And he's like, for me? And she's like, possibly. If you want it. That's for you to decide. 
And well, I, I like I like how she's giving him the option. She's not saying this is for you. She's saying it's your choice. I have problems with this scene, but we'll go over them when we cut back to it. Because we then cut to what you were talking about with Kigali being like, it's my fault for leaving, but I genuinely thought that you had the nation's you, best interests at heart. And we you just and disagree. everybody else. And she's taking the blame because she's also one of the people who should have been better about this. Like, she should have been present to help, but she wasn't. Yeah, it's just, especially when Inato and Yuna's stated desire at the beginning is, we don't want this exact scenario again, that they took in Jibril. It's just... And then refused to hand him over when yeah. this was the result. Well, like, and lied about it in such a bald-faced and stupid way. Which, again, makes me think that he must have had something on them. Or they must be part of Logos. But again, it's so easy to just say that, right? And just villainize them fully? Yeah. That's why I really wish we had a little bit more of a sympathetic side to Yuna, like showing him actually legitimately wanting to do that more. Or, or like, we only really have that one incident when he's on the Takamikazuchi ordering Tadaka. We have to sink to Minerva to show them how loyal we are. That's really the only incident we get where it shows Yuna as being, you know, I have to Concerned. protect Orb. Yeah. yeah. Or make him a pawn of his dad, right? Have that's, his dad yeah, that's what actually be evil and a sellout and like have his son in this position of power where Yuna thinks they are doing it for the good of the country. Yeah, and have him be like relatively competent, but because it's his dad telling him all of these things. Yeah, he believes it. And she's like, so tell me, where's Jabril? He grabs him up. Are you still going to protect him after all this? Basically what we just said. He's like, I told you already. I don't know where he is. Like, yeah, he was at our place earlier, but they bombed that. So he doubt he's still there. I do love how she's pressing him and he's... Again, this would be better if he was a better character, because then we, like, we know he's telling the truth, but at the same time, it's, like, not exactly satisfying. So she throws him to some guards, and is like, take him away. I'll stay here in command. We have to find Jabril. Which does make a little bit of sense that Kigali would stick around because of the fact that the Akatsuki is damaged. Yeah. And she's like, okay, we just have to push them back, and then maybe we can talk about a ceasefire, especially if we get Jabril. Some more uh, shots of the doms just I doing strafes. I love how the doms look like they're just having fun. Yeah. Like, they're just here to have a blast. They're Literally with bazookas. We get Kira shooting down a bunch of mooks because his Dynasty Warriors opponent left, and now he can run around unchecked. I feel like this is just a really unfair shot for these mooks because they didn't even realize he was on the field. And then all of a sudden they're just like, ah, oh, railgun out of nowhere. From what it looked like, a bunch of those shots actually went through the torso. So cut back to Lacus and Atherin, where Atherin's like, are you trying to tell me that I'm nothing but a soldier? And clearly what they're trying to do here is set up Lacus as a foil slash opposition to Durundle, right? Yeah, yeah, because they keep flashing back to Durundle saying similar things. It just seems so weird to me for Atherin to accuse her of this. When he was in sickbay, he was just like, Kira, you have to protect Lacus or it's over. Like, I, he has such overwhelming faith in her, right? I, I think, think it's, it's more that Atherin's head is in a weird space. And, and he, it's because of the fact that, like, that's what he's been thinking of. For all of this, like, is this really all I do? Is this what I'm good for? And yeah. Lacus is like, here, if you want it, it's yours. And Atherin immediately is thinking, I should take this. I honestly don't think he's talking to Lacus. I think he's talking to himself. Yeah, I read this more as Atherin trying to decide what the hell he wants. And Lacus kind of, like, realizing that and being like, Oh, that might be a thing you are. Like, I think he's talking to the voice in his head right now. It seems to me, it would almost be more interesting if Atherin decided, no, I'm not a soldier. I'm not going to be put in that box and doesn't take it, right? I actually like the, kind of expected that. Like, and that, I think, is more interesting for future stories, too. There's a degree to which I think the Gundam Seed movie that never happened should be Atherin's counterattack. <laughs> and you should put Atherin in a villain role. And this is an interesting potential starting point for that, right? Honestly, if he decides he doesn't want to fight here. 
I, I think it would make a lot more sense if in this particular instance, you know, he's injured and all that, he doesn't take the mobile suit at this point. Yeah. But still gets in it later in the series because he wants to support Kira. To be unfair to this scene before we go through it bit by bit, it almost reads to me as after and be like, are you saying I'm nothing but a soldier? Then you want me to go help your boyfriend? And she's like, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you can be. He's like, oh, okay. I'll go do that then. Like I said, it just rings really false to me. I do think we needed a little bit more of an example. Me and Tyler might be applying outside logic of, you know, backsplaining things because it does sound like that. But then again, I've also tried to give the series a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt than I've done in the past. Which is also usually my role. Like I said, and I had no problem with this scene the first time I watched it. It seemed very natural. I'm just thinking like, Atherin's protest is like people just see me as a soldier and like the last time he had this deep heart to heart with Lackis she was super manipulative of him actually that's fair yep um, she definitely was it did put him in a good spot but like here's his chance to call him out on that and they want to contrast her with Durandal like her set, I said and then they do set up her counter argument pretty well but we don't really know Durandal's argument yet also I do think Durandal should have been a little bit more manipulative to get Atherin to take the mobile suit up because then this would make a lot better of a foil if Lacus comes up and base it literally just says, it's yours if you want it. Like, I'm not telling you you have to take it. I'm not telling you you have to do anything. It's your choice. But at the same time, Durundle tried to do something similar, but wasn't nearly as manipulative. Although, to be fair to Durundle, there, Athrun wanted it anyway. So, he didn't have to try very hard to convince him. Actually, that might be why the foil is going, is because Athrun, or Lacus isn't really trying to manipulate Athrun. She legitimately brought him a mobile suit so he could do what he wanted with it. There's a really cool shot of the Destiny getting resupplied. I just wanted to take a moment to note. before we some cut- really badly animated people. Yeah, before we cut to a bunch of people in Orb trying to evacuate. Because, if you recall, the government said nothing. Lack is like, that's also for you to decide. It's scary when someone closes off their mind over shots of Kira destroying people. If they say, this is it, that's all there is, and they only see one thing. Like, when you take away choices, that's what's frightening. Yeah, that's what the Dresden Files has taught us. I like how it shows a bunch of shots of people doing what we presume is combat babble, but we don't actually hear anything. And it's people, like, you know, who are resolved, right? Like Mirielia. Miri, Amagi, Maru... And she's like, this might be cruel to hear you to hear right now, but Kira basically was up there, and we cut to them being very cute in space. You will notice that uh, Lacus's flight suit is a lot tighter on her ass than Kira's is. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, bring me here, and this is like, yeah, it'd be a great deception, and we'd be killing two birds with one stone. It, it's not a deception, Kira. You're not disguising anything. This has always been a weird line to me, but I know what he's talking about. It will come up next episode. It is a weird thing, though. And Lacus is like, I don't think Atherin is going to take it. He cuts her off and is like, on the one hand, you might be right, but wanting to be able to do something and being unable to might be the worst thing for him. And if you remember, in the HD version in the movie, not in the original, Atherin does have that car talk with Kira where he's like, I'm just so powerless and I don't know what to do. Yeah, so Kira bringing him a mobile suit makes a lot of sense. Is the third one in this shot supposed to be the Gaia? Yes. And Atherin's like, oh, Kira, he does understand me. And then it gets to a shot of Shin glaring at the destiny. Presumably because he's looking at it and like, God damn it, this thing is supposed to be the best mobile suit out there, and I'm losing to the freedom. So Lax's power is nothing more than power, which is a theme that, like we said last week, has been repeated in Gundam Seed Destiny a lot. Kigali's dead dad told her that. Uh, Durundle even kind of told Atherin that when he gave him his Gundam, and is like, no, I totally want you to be a check and balance for me. I mean, it's a really good idea. But here's a sword in case you want it. Maybe you are a soldier, but you're also Atherin. That's more important. 
And the way she phrases that makes him flash to Durundles. Who never acknowledged him as him, really. He called him Atherin, but he used that as kind of the term of, I'm going to use you as you because I can. Whereas Lacus is like, you're just you. You do what you want. So he has a determined look as we see Kira continuing to shoot down Dins. Some Jap ships are going down. The Minerva is going in on the Archangel, and you hear what might be a familiar kind of upbeat theme, which is interesting considering the Minerva looks like it's starting to corner them. Marissa says to evade missiles, we see the CIC guns on the Archangel shoot a bunch down, but two make it through. Oh, and there's the Sky Grasper, and it blows the two remaining ones up. And uh-huh. hey, it's Moose theme. That's why I recognize this theme. <laughs> it's like a lay motif. They did a thing. And they're all like, what? Why is the Sky Grasper here? And he comes up on main screen. He's like, hey, sorry to get in your way, but I kind of have a grudge against that ship. Yeah. They killed two of my guys, and you guys can win, because I have a knack for making the impossible possible. Hey, he said the thing. <laughs> he said the thing! And Which really gets like, Maru. Well, it's because that's the last thing he said. Yep. Zach pointed out, and it's super obvious to me as soon as he said it, but I never really got it. This is very clearly a parallel to the Diarca bit in Gundam Seed. Okay, yeah, I can see that. It's not as strong because the the weird Moo Neo stuff, right? Yeah. Because that's Diarca making a choice to be a different person, whereas this is a weird is he, is he sort of thing. This is Neo making a choice to be Moo <laughs> without knowing it. Yeah, like, it's weird. But it crushes Maru. Yeah. Well, it, it makes sense, especially because, yep. again, the last line Moo said to Maru is, I can make the impossible possible. So we get a bunch of people reporting to Kaligali about no problems. Uh, section two, no sign of Jabril. I told you, she's changed into the uniform. Yes, I see that. Meanwhile, we cut to some poor asshole who has to handle Jabril's cat as they have killed the guards, taken the walkie-talkie, and they're like, Section 3, no problems. There aren't two murdered guys here. Don't worry about it. Shot of the Strike Freedom landing and chopping up some goofs that I think is a reuse shot from Seed of when he did this in the Freedom in front of the Astray Girls. I love there are how no Astray Girls to react, so it's not as strong. Awkwardly standing in the back behind him, Astray. Yep. Yes. Who, again, in the original shot, had a reaction to that that made it work better. Meanwhile, the Destiny has been completely resupplied and is ready for launch. And Shin's like, finally, God! And Luna's like, hey, Shin. But Ray's like, no, no talking to him. In fact, stay here. No girls allowed. <laughs> well, on the one hand, he's not wrong. Shin does kind of need, like, to they need focus. to focus to fight to go up against the freedom. But at the other hand, they're kind of getting their shit pushed in and having the impulse on the field would actually be good for the Zaft forces. I think Ray here is basically like, hey, I need to control him. And if you're there, I can't do that. that. And that's exactly how I read what is actually happening here. But his line of logic is... His line of logic is totally because he knows Luna Mario will buy it. If he says to Luna Mario, you got to stay here because otherwise I can't control Shin. What does that actually say to Luna Mario? Although, to be fair to Ray, I don't think he means control as in manipulate him into doing my bidding. As much as he's like, Shin is clearly too emotional about this, and I need to calm him down if we're going to win. He needs to be my Pokemon. (laughs) Shin, use Saber Blast. Calm down, Shin. If you let yourself be provoked and lose sight of yourself, you'll lose a battle you should have easily won. He wants to provoke you. It's kind of the uh, the Sun Tzu idea. Yeah. And Shin's like, yeah, I know that. I'm just very easily swayed by my emotions. Although, Kira's not really trying to make Shin angry, I feel. He's really not. It's just Shin is 
easily provoked. And I believe is it Shin or Ray that it's says Ray, Ray says yeah, this. It's it's just a phantom. Yeah, it's a, I really like. He says, "Then we're cool." Yeah. Is the translation they went with, and I like that a lot. I, I, yeah, I do too. But I also think he's trying to be casual, right? I love that too. It's like it's just a ghost. This time we'll get it for sure. He's like, yeah. Which we, we hear said over a cut of Kira doing Kira stuff. Yep. So the destiny takes off, as does the legend. So Kira's going to be looking at a 2v1 situation. And Kira's like, oh, that boy's coming back. Well, I, I didn't think, lessen him good enough. I think it's also, like, because he sees the legend, and I think the reaction is more along the lines of, wait a minute, I killed that fucker. Oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> Different starfish. Cut back to Atherin, who is trying to remember why he's doing this in the first place, as he remembers what Durendal has told him, and that one time he tongued out with Diarca and Kira, even though they're not really friends. And what's that in the disc? It can't be. <laughs> <laughs> Durendal telling him, hey, there, nobody knows what you want more than you, and Lacus, who just told him, hey, that's for you to decide. And he gets a determined face. And he no longer seems to need his Mayron crutch. That's because he's fueled by determination power. And Lacus smiles and is like, yeah, you go help my boyfriend. Cut to the inside of the Infinite Justice. Again, doesn't get a name as the Archangel begins opening its launch bay. And Atherin has a thought about what he wants to do as we see Shin, Rei, and Kira. And he says, Atherin's all a justice taking off. And it is. High and Mighty Color is here to yell at us <laughs> one is. more time. Right over this <laughs> eye catch. And I love it. <laughs> This is a ending song that's only in the HD version. I presume so that all three of the cool main characters' Gundams would get to launch to image songs. We don't need the Destiny or Legend to get their own songs. That's not important. The ending starts with Atherin floating in space and then Kigali and Mirror in the background. Yeah. Kigali is pretty well in the foreground there, dude. And then Shin with Stella, who's replaced by short skirt Luna Maria. And like that awkward angle from movie posters, you know the one. So you can see her butt and her boobs. Oh, my back. Yeah. I actually really like the staccato cut, though, of of all the couples hugging. And there's only one girl for Kira. It's Lacus. So there's just some shots of them (laughs) being very cute. And both of their faces look really weird in that shot. Yep. This is one of those things I was thinking of. Because we've talked about how the Gundams oftentimes get like a demonic look to them. I don't think the freedom is ever lit in such a way that it looks anything other than like an vaguely angelic. angelic. There's that time it saviors the savior. (laughs) It looks like a demon there. And they all the Gundams look super awkward in the final shot, I feel like. Like, the freedom looks like it's raising its eyebrow. <laughs> You're Can not you wrong. smell yeah. what the freedom is cooking? <laughs> um, the Destiny is just the head. The Destiny actually looks fine. It's just an extreme close-up at a kind of, like, a lazy angle. So they don't have to animate much. It looks like it's introspective. And that's the episode. This is probably the episode of Gundam Seed Destiny I watched the most, for various reasons. So what did you think, Tyler? Well, Kira's power move puts it way above a lot of other fight scenes just because of that. That's like peak Kira's stupid improv battle technique. <laughs> yeah, because it's uh, something that's guaranteed to get anybody else killed. Yep. It's not as practical as drop your shield on them, but it's definitely up there. Yeah, and he has to calculate how long the guns are going to be in the air yep. so he can catch them. I like a lot of the things that happen in this episode, but in a vacuum, it's fine. But then you look at it and it's like how we got here. Like with Yuna, if he was a better character, that whole moment would be better. I don't mind Gamer Dad dying kind of more or less off screen. Yep. Almost anonymously. Because like that just kind of happens. He was also but not much of a character that's anyway. That's the other problem is like I think they show you that because like, look, Gamer Dad is also dead. 
but it's like I don't know who he is, and none of these people with him make me really care. I cared more about the civilians because they had nothing to do with this. I actually like that shot better because it shows like Zaft is committing some atrocities to do this thing they're doing. This is just so that all the orb conspiracy theorists can be like, oh, Kagali shows back up, and then all her political opponents die in an invasion. <laughs> <laughs> you have a high point, Tyler. Can I take that? No, it's not yeah, actually that. that. Um, it's actually Kigali going and taking charge of her government again. <laughs> I think starting off with a punch to the Yuna, and then like going and like doing the responsible thing, basically. Except for apparently the amount of time it took her to go change out of her flight suit. That's okay. She uh, picked up some quick change tips from the time she hung out with Lacus. Do you have a high point, Zach? I do have a high point. I'm just trying to think of exactly what it would be, because your high point was Kira's... No. No. Oh, was That it? wasn't actually mine. Oh, I thought it was. No, mine was uh, Kigali going and taking charge of her government again. Okay. I think I have to go with Kigali going up against Shin. Like, intentionally making the choice to fight Shin. That's fair. Knowing that like, there's a main character coming at her. Well, knowing it, at the very least that she's not a great pilot, and this is clearly, like, a new model... And we don't know how much she got from Atherin when he showed up. Like, we don't know how much Atherin has managed to talk to them about things. So, just the fact that she intentionally went after the Destiny when it showed up to protect everybody else. Like, I really like that. Kigali's taking responsibility for her people. And I like that. Yes. I like how all three of us are almost going with that cool sword catch. And especially <laughs> Shin's reaction to it. But it none is, of us are. It is a very, very cool moment. And I think, at least for me... If Kigali didn't get to do anything in this episode again, if Crygali made her appearance, then that definitely would be the high point. But Kigali getting to do things, it's nice because I've wanted it all series. For me, it's the Archangel and the Minerva broadsiding each other. Also oh good. boy, yes. Give it to me. All, yeah, all the armaments arming too. Yeah. That's, oh god, that shot is so cool. And every time the Minerva fires that shell gun, I, oh, I love it. You have a low point, Tyler. Yeah, come back to me because I'm waffling between two and I'll see if one of you takes the other one. Zach? The B-team animation on the <laughs> Destiny. What the <laughs> fuck were they doing? Man, it looks so bad in so many places. I have a couple I'm kind of going between myself. I think I'm going to go with the Atherin stuff that I talked about. I just think it's the least interesting th and most obvious thing you can do with the character at this point. And like I said, they're trying to set up Lacus as a foil for Durundal, which will be kind of her thing the rest of the series, which I don't hate, but it just seems very odd to me. What do you got, Tyler? Nah, honestly, I'm having a hard time coming up with something. Like, a lot of it is, like, more longer running stuff. Like, man, I wish all these characters were better before this. Yeah. Um, well, that, that's a large part of the problem with a lot of them. I would say it makes sense in character, but the fact that uh, Gladys isn't demanding the sortie of all of her pilots is a little weird. I mean, she's in a firefight with the Archangel, right? And Although, send Luna Maria to bomb them, I guess. Yeah, would be an excellent idea. Just have Luna go shoot them with the giant gun. Well, yeah, because Gladys can't order Shin or Rey to really do anything. She can she could politely out, ask them. But she could send out Luna Maria. She had no problem politely asking Atherin to do things. Yeah. So I actually have a lot of final thought stuff on this episode that didn't quite come out. Like I said, this is my favorite battle in Destiny, but it has a lot of it rhymes problems with stuff from Seed. Are they problems? I feel like they're intentional and they don't like, they're not glaringly out of place, I feel. Rolling at orb again is a little bit on the nose, in my opinion. I think that's fine. They're not problems in like a grand scheme of this doesn't make it work. They're problems in that the Battle of Alaska is better than this battle. Okay, that's fair. The problems of, like, it makes you think of a better thing. And especially when you use Meteor as the insert song instead of Vestige, that just reminds you more of it. 
Again, the Moo coming to rescue them just reminds you of the Costa, and that bit is better. The Arca. The Arca, yes, sorry. The Costa's great, <laughs> but he's not the Arca. I oh. do kind of want Takasa in a Sky Grasper, though. I was actually going to say that was a close runner-up scene for me also was uh, Moo to the... I'm sorry, Roanoke to the rescue. There are plenty of good bits we didn't even mention in High Points. There's that. There's the Doms dropping in. The only reason why I don't really go with the Doms coming in is because it's such a like a brief sequence and it's not explained. They're a complete non-sequitur. I yeah. think like, they're just kind of... They exist eh. because someone was like, we want to show Doms and we want to have a Black Tristar's analog. They're not explained. They just kind of appear and then they're gone. They are weirdly the fill-in for the Astray Girls in that they are the grunt suits that are enough that we have names and faces for them. But they're way more capable. Yes, yes, they're in a different role. And for right? whatever reason, I feel like they don't show up as much as the Astray Girls do. For whatever reason, I keep thinking that this is the only battle they participate in. The Asuri girls definitely feel like more of a presence, right? Because they're also around from like episode 30 or something. Yeah. Off and on, yeah. Also, like I talked about Kira having to get his win back, and I think the episode suffers a little bit from that, even though I love the moment where Shin is like fed up with him. But something I wanted to bring up, because I think this episode really highlights it, and I think this also, because this battle is the moment where Destiny really achieves this, I'm kind of putting words in your guys' mouth, so let me know if you want me to stop. But you guys are both people that, to some extent, think the first half of Gundam Seed is way better than the second half, because the first half is a conflict between characters who we are on the side of who disagree, and the second half, they become more against cartoon villains. Better is maybe not... find the first half more interesting but yeah to some degree it feels like with destiny to me they're taking that criticism and trying to turn it on its head because the first half of destiny they're fighting a bunch of cartoon assholes like jabril and logos and here we have shin set up and kira and atherin set up and they are in opposition well except by this point shin has just performed an entire heel turn with like no introspection or like shot he does not look like he's going to make anything resembling a redemptive arc, and there's not a lot of time left in the series for I mean, him to I, do that. I don't mind him backsliding on the arc that he was going through when Atherin was around. I think part of the problem when they're going up against all the cartoon villains in the first part of this is, number one, Jabril's still around. And number two, they didn't really characterize Jabril. So, like, look at this bad guy, and I'm like, all right, can I get some more about the bad guy? Yeah, like... like- I want to know more about the bad, because you keep showing him. It's not like this shadow force that I don't know anything about. And, and like I've said a thousand times, I'll take Azrael 100 times out of 100 over Jabril. I He's hate Azrael, but I agree with you. He at least has a character, right? Yeah, he has a defined character, and he is hateable. Jabril is a, is in a weird way that he's not actually really that hateable in the first part of the series, because he doesn't fucking do anything. Yeah, he's just malevolent shadow figure. Exactly. In a basement with a cat. And that kind of thing works when you're riding shotgun in somebody's head. When you're like this and you keep showing him, you need to tell me who he fucking is. Yeah, and I think some of the problem, too, is we don't really know what Durandal wants or what his philosophy is, right? Whereas we know what these good teenagers want. Yeah. No, I meant Durandal. Oh, also, okay. Because we we know that they have declared Durandal to be a bad guy, but we don't know exactly what his deal is to make him like, a bad guy. Other than being, he definitely is an end justify this is the mean sort of guy, so like, all we think that is bad about him is the fact that he is manipulative. What's the matter with that? I don't think that's a problem. <laughs> that's also my philosophy, but... But if he and Lacus were better opposed, if he was like, these are the things I believe in, and Lacus is like, no, these are the things I believe in, this whole conflict gets better, right? Because yeah. even if Shin is being kind of petty, at the end it's because he believes in a philosophy, whereas to kind of combat you, I think we did see Shin introspect finally. 
That's right. Yeah, he got kind of shook. Right. Yeah, but the freedom showing up like almost was a full reverse trigger for him, right? Because that's something that he's like, I dealt with that. You know, I avenged Stella. And now it's just here. Like, things are unraveling for him. He's going to attack this nation. He has all these conflicting feelings. And then the freedom shows up and is like, yeah, I just gave you that win. I could have done this the first time. You were in a worse suit then. I I could have kicked your ass then. I'm going to show you how badly I can do it now. To be fair, I don't think Kira knows that's the same pilot. Although maybe he's like, ah, you have signatures of that guy. Unless, like, it's also possible that he's got a little bit of a new type thing going on that tells him that it's the same guy. Yeah, although we didn't get any indication of that here. But yes, it is possible. No, but from what I've been told, new types work like magic, so he could... It's just, the show is normally good about saying they're experiencing magic. Yeah, like, you know, we talk about the new type Flash, that's what I mean by it. There was none of that. If that happened, I would be like, oh, yeah. But we've talked about it before. Seed and Destiny are both weird about, do these pilots know who each other are? Can they hear each other? Or are they just, like, having conversations at each other that almost light up? I mean, here I don't think Shin was actually communicating to Kira. No, I don't either. Again, part of it goes into how much did Atherin tell them beforehand? Yep. Like, how well was he able to communicate? Did he tell Kira who yeah, shot him down? That's a good point. Did he tell Kira about the new mobile suit that guy got? Like, is There would have been opportunity, why, yeah. yeah. Is, is that why Kigali went after the Destiny? Is that why? It, well, I mean, we know why Kira went after it. It's because the Destiny was threatening Kigali, so of course he went after it. And, and Kigali well, went after it because she likes punching things. Well, we saw a shot in the previous episode of Kigali seeing it destroy the Stroy Gundams. Yeah. So she's like, oh, that's the most powerful thing on the field. I need to move to match it. It destroyed to destroy. Any other final thoughts stuff? I didn't want to dominate it. A lot happened this episode, and there are a lot of really cool moments. Like, there are a lot of, like, yeah, it's really nice to see this character doing this thing, or, like, these set pieces opposed to each other. Not a lot actually, like, happens, I guess. Ironically, one of the major things I think that is a kind of a weak point in this episode is the fact that it has a lot of characters and a lot of moving parts. And really only one of them has a satisfying part to play. We end the episode basically where we began the episode, where now instead of the Akatsuki and the Destiny fighting, we now have the Freedom and the Destiny and the Legend and the Justice. Well, Uh, we've removed Kigali from the field. Yep. And we've added Athran, Kira, and Rey to the field. But that's the only change. But yeah, and they're like still diametrically opposed. Like the Minerva and the Archangel haven't made any headway. Well, Moo's on the field, I, I guess. guess that's the but... other. We've added the Archangel and the Minerva because those weren't involved before. In this episode, they get involved. But you're right. Nothing has really yeah. happened. Yuna began the episode arrested. He ended the episode arrested. I guess Gamer Dad died. Jabril's still at large, but that's how the episode began. Really not a whole lot actually changed. So I guess things happened, the status quo didn't change, and that's kind of unsatisfying. Yeah, I think Destiny should have earned that, though. And I say should have, because we've talked about how poorly it's been paced, right? And there's so much stuff that needs to happen, that having an episode that's just a battle feels like a bit of a waste. But similar things happened in Seed. But Seed moves so fast all the time that it could afford to breathe on a battle like this once in a while. If they had, well, the thing is, if they had paced better early, the things this episode does do, Kira returning to the field with the new freedom, Kigali taking command and decking Yuna, like those moments are really cool, but because of how badly paced and now we've got this one battle episode that should be really cool for just those couple of moments, now we're like, all right, guys, you're really running out of time for stuff to happen here. Like you've only got a limited number of episodes left. I love how I do the the watch checking gesture <laughs> on a audio podcast, and I don't wear a watch. Visual yeah. jokes don't work on the podcast. It's, it's also not something I, that's going to make sense to people in like fifty years. I hope. 
like 10 years, I think. Well, um, smartwatches are a thing right okay, now, so. True. I think part of the problem also is that, as we've talked about, Destiny has so many characters. And this episode genuinely tries to service almost all of them, right? And actually does a pretty good job. Yeah, I was to say, it felt like it did a pretty good job fielding everyone. Which is one of the reasons I like it so much. Uh, Shin doesn't really get a triumphant moment, but we get insight in his head, right? With his, like, that... That I, t- I keep going back to. If, if that had been a beam, this would be over. That's what you're telling me, right? Like, he knows what's going on. Well, um, especially because even before if that moment, Kira had fired the belly gun. So Kira firing the rail guns instead of the belly gun at point blank range. Yeah, it sends a statement, even though Kira's probably just like, I don't want to kill this guy. Yeah. Yeah, but Shin knows that that thing is there, and it basically gives him the impression you're toying with me, aren't you? Yeah, Kira doesn't know that, though, because, like, he's clearly frustrated that he comes back at him after he pulls that nonsense, and he's like, I really thought that one would do it. Come on, that was a dominance move if I've ever seen one. You're supposed to run away now. All right, so if that's all we have to say about it, thank you very much for listening. We will be back next week with Phase 42, a call for counterattack. Again, Crunchyroll has messed up. They call that one Freedom and Justice, and we're one behind for the rest of the series. If you're watching on Crunchyroll right now in October 2020, I hope at some point they fix it. It used to be correct, so it's possible. Until next time, we have to keep watching. It is our destiny. Just kept the seat warm.